Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. What's going on, everybody? Paddle and Finn has got a meetup going down October 16th through 18th at Eastport Marina and Resort in Alpine, Tennessee, which which falls right on Dale Hollow. What we're going to be doing is just hanging out, fishing. Uh, depending on the number of people that show up and the interest, we may do a small tournament. Uh, we will have some stuff to give away Saturday evening. We're going to do a hangout and a little little barbecue action we'll have food for everybody if you're looking for lodging you could stay right at the resort it's fifty dollars per person per night Um, and what you get is your own personal bedroom on a houseboat luxury houseboat courtesy eastport marina that's a special price they gave us to lend to our listeners if you want uh, more info on the resort you can go to eastport.info and uh, their website will pop up there you'll see all the houseboats and things like that a majority of our hosts are going to be there and we would love to spend some time on the water with you this segment is brought to you by Jigmaster jigs when in doubt get the jig out go to jigmasters.com and use promo code pnf20 and save 20 percent off your next jig order today Welcome to the Bass Kayak and Beer segment on the Paddle and Fin Network. It's your host, Armando Solá, and on this segment, we kick back with a special guest and talk about life, kayak fishing, and the pursuit of big bass. So get your cold brews on and enjoy the show. Welcome once again to the Bass Kayak and Beers Network, presented by Douglas Rods. Go to douglasoutdoors.com to check out your nearest authorized dealer and to check out their full lineup of LRS rods and Matrix rods. So we got a special episode for you today. My special guest is Roz Pinkerton, just fresh from winning the um, KBBT Texas Regional and officially the bad, I'm sorry, (laughs) The Bass Baron. I almost said something that was going to come out bad. Bass Baron for Texas is here to join us. Russ, thank you so much for taking time. And first of all, congratulations on your big win in the KBBT Texas Regional. Thanks, man. And uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. No problem, man. Thank you for taking the time. Um, so, Russ, first of all, before we get dive into the KBBT and how it went and where you fish and how you got to to winning it, tell us a little bit about yourself. You know where you're from, what got you into fishing, what do you do for a living, also, and um, when did you start a kayak fishing and all that? Okay, um, so I'll start at the top. I started fishing when I was probably about six or seven years old. Um, my parents started taking me out on the Brazos River on canoe trips, and I would just sit in the front and cast my rooster tail around and catch a bunch of little fish, and that's all that I really wanted to do when I was a kid, you know. So um, I do want to say thanks to them for kind of instilling that love for the outdoors in me at a young age. Um, I definitely wouldn't be the angler that I am today without them. So that's what kind of got me started bass fishing. Uh, from there, uh, I went to Arlington Heights High School. I played baseball. I uh, was our district MVP my senior year, and oh. I wasn't able to actually make baseball go further than high school due to injuries and other stuff. So um, I got into kayak fishing when I was probably about 18 or 19, about that same time. And um, it wasn't really a serious thing. It was just a hobby, another one of my hobbies. You know, I really like the outdoors, all kinds of stuff, uh, duck hunting, bass fishing, Um, you name it, I've probably done it or would like to do it at some point in my life. 
So um, that's what got me started doing that. And then the way I make my living now is I'm actually a licensed irrigator. So uh, I work on sprinkler systems. I, I repair sprinkler systems. I have my own sprinkler business. It's called Pinkerton Sprinkler Repair Company. So um, that's what I do, man. I, I work on sprinklers and I go bass fishing. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Awesome. What do you, what got you first of all into kayak fishing? What was the first time you went kayak fishing? You know, how did that trip come about? Um, if you remember, it's been a long time, man. Um, I think my dad bought a wilderness systems ride 135 when I was like 16 or something. And, uh, and I pretty much took that over, you know, he, he thought he was going to take it out a bunch and uh, he found out real fast that I was going to take it out more than he did. <laughs> so, um, that's what that's what I started doing, and I took it on some actually. Actually, I took it on some overnight trips by myself down on the Brazos. Um, did some actual duck hunting down there by myself with my dog, and um, that was probably one of my first fishing trips out of the kayak. Was actually the same spot that I fished the championship Sunday at. Nice, kind of yeah. going full circle with that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you don't mind me asking, what what part of the Brazos River were you fishing out of? So I was fishing the stretch below Possum Kingdom. And, oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Um, there's a couple pretty good little spots down on that stretch that I wanted to go check out. Um, I don't want to give exact locations, but, you know. I understand. If, you know, I, I basically had to launch at the 16 bridge and then take out at the 16 bridge. So there you go. You know, um, that pretty much narrows it down because you can only go so far upstream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Bruce, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you go for it, man. No, Brazos River is one of my favorite um, rivers to fish over here. And it's obviously a different section. Like, I've gone through the bottom of Whitney Lake, and that section is, like, full of grass. It's, like, frog heaven. I love that area. But then I went to the – I think it's still the Brazos, right? Um, it's not Possum Kingdom. Crap, which was it? It's not Whitney Lake. God, I had it on my mind. I just forgot. What's the other reservoir that goes? It's Possum Kingdom. Granberry. Now, no, I've I've done Granberry. I hate Granberry. Um, I can't I can't catch a fish out of Granberry, man. I don't know what. I was gonna fish for a tournament there, and I pre-fished it for like three times. I didn't catch anything, and I was like, I'm I ain't even going to show up for this. One. I'm gonna do. And actually, that was the that was the same day I started with the KBBBT Texas Regional, which I really? went to like Fork. Yeah, so that was the same day I had the Granberry. I was like, I thought, okay, well, you know, I'll go Granberry. You know, hopefully, I'll do good and I'll win two tournaments or right. at least but out after pre-fishing i was like there's no way i can make it <laughs> past the, that uh first round on granberry it's not but no it's not oh crap what is it anyways it'll come to my mind later but yeah i love brazos river at least some sections of it um but definitely yeah it's if you're in texas you definitely have to check out brazos river so kbbt First impressions, how was it? What did you like about it? What did you love? What did you not, I'm not going to say hate because that's a strong word, but maybe things that you thought, uh, this could be better or stuff like that, if there's anything you think. It was a pretty well-run tournament. Yeah. Um, the only thing I would say is that if you make it to the final four, you're going to be fishing for four days. And at the end of that, there's only a certain payout. So you kind of put in a lot of work for maybe not as much money as you were hoping. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that's just the way that that thing goes, you know, with a $45 entry fee. And if you win, you make it to the next round. Well, if you keep winning, you're going to do a lot of fishing for the same amount of money, you know? So yeah. um, that may be the only downside I can see. Other than that, it was ran pretty well. Greg, Chris, uh, Chris Delgado and Mark Coates and all those guys did a pretty good job of putting it together. And, um, Everything was pretty straightforward and honest, and I don't really have any complaints about it. I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah, it is. I liked it. Christopher um, and Marcus Coltobers bring a lot of personality, and so does Greg Nosar. You know, he's the one who pretty much runs it. And I, what I like about him, he's always trying to give the anglers, you know, an opportunity to showcase themselves. You know, if there's anglers out there that are looking to, you know, promote themselves and get sponsors, stuff like that, he does a real good job of it. And it's a new... Um, I guess the knockout stage kind of thing is not new to American sports, but obviously it is new to kayak fishing. And there's always things that are going to be tinkered and improved and and going to get better at. But for the most part, I agree with you. It's 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 a great product. It's a great um, opportunity for anglers out there that can't travel too much 
to kind of be able to put a, a, a tournament that'll actually get him some FaceTime, you know, in social media. Um, I love the one-on-one. -on -one. one thing that I um, that I thought, and I'm not saying it because, oh, that would have got me to a second round, because regardless, all I got, I think, was uh, I think it was just under 50. I can't remember, 40-something inches. I only caught three. But the only thing that I thought is I saw after the first round, there were one angler in particular. I'm not going to say names. because I'm not here to, to dish on anybody. But, like, end up going through because on 36 inches because his opponent only had 29. And then one, I can't remember who it was, ended up not going through the third next round, and he almost had 80. So that's the only thing that I thought is, like, man, it, to a certain degree, it's the luck of – who you get to draw with, you know. Right. Um, and that's the only thing that I prompt. I, from a competitor standpoint, I would change is like, instead of going one-on-one, -on -one, okay, let's do a round of 32 and the top 16 pass, go to the right. next round. Right. And then 16, the top eight pass to the next round. Eight, that's the only thing, but that's from a angler's perspective. I understand Greg Nozar, Christopher DeGala, my coach have to look for what's going to bring more attention. And obviously the one-on-one, -on -one, mano a mano angler right. versus angler thing is more interesting as far as um, growing the sport and social media and getting attention. So, you know, it's one of those things where you weigh in. But other than that, it's, uh, I mean, that was, that was my two cents, but it is still a great opportunity to fish. And anybody that's kind of on the fence to try it, I would definitely recommend to try it. The Greg Nose, especially in Texas. Obviously, we're particulars, you and I are from Texas, but Christopher the Gallo, shout out to him and Mark Coates for doing a great job. Absolutely, man. Yeah, they both did a really good job. And um, that just kind of reminds me of my round two. I actually fished the same lake with Hayden Crossno. Mm -hmm. and he, he caught 87 and a half inches, and I only caught 78 inches, and he ended up losing, and I ended up moving forward. So, yeah. you know, it's just the way, it, the way it goes with this style of bracket, you know. Um, but you know, it was a, it was a fun event for sure. And every time I moved forward, I was kind of like, okay, you know, we made it to the next round and then we just kept making it to the next round. And, and then before I knew it, I was in the final four with Jeff Isham and Dwayne Taft and Marcus Coates, you know, and I'm, and everybody's like, who's this Ross guy? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Those are big names. Yeah. Marcus, so. Marcus Coates has been turning up lately. I don't, his honey hole is producing massive numbers, man. Right. He got right. dialed in, I think it's Toledo. I can't remember what it is, but golly. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's turning it up out there. So, yeah. No, no small accomplishment going against those three guys. Um, very well known in Texas. Uh, definitely hammers as far as uh, it's considered here in Texas and putting God only, um, numbers there so let's go through like round by round which um if you can if you don't mind sharing where you were not exactly but first round where do you where did you end up going okay so round one i went to lake whitney and lake whitney. Um, cool. sure and i i you know i had fished the first kbbt ever event um i went out there my first round and i caught like 93 inches so i had a really good day out there my first time and i had probably fished lake whitney three or four, maybe five times before this, uh, this event came up. So I kind of was familiar with the fish out there. Um, I really thought I was going to get on a good glide bait bite the same way I did on the Brazos my final day. Uh, ended up not exactly working out for me on Whitney with that. I had to kind of, um, you know, switch courses and throw a wacky rig instead of throwing that glide bait around and just to fill out a limit. And that small limit that I caught, I think it was only 72 inches, but it was one of those deals where the other guy just didn't put up a limit. Mm -hmm. you know? So um, I ended up making it to the next round just with 72 inches and, you know, a bunch of little small ones pretty much. Um, but, hey, it worked out great. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to go to Whitney in the first place was I knew if even I, even if I couldn't catch a bunch of big ones, there was definitely lots of fish there to be caught. And uh, I knew I could catch a limit for for sure. Cool. Do you mind saying what part of Whitney? If you if you want to keep it a secret, no, that's yeah, fine. That's fine. Uh, it was Mid Lake, um, kind nice. of kind of close to where the bridge crosses. Um, that's just. About, I mean, I was fishing Main Lake pockets. If that gives cool. you any ideas, yeah. Yeah, I know kind of the area. I've usually fished close to the um, um, to dam um, and those little um, fingering creeks. 
Um, not had a lot of luck, but a beautiful leg, by the way. Huge yeah. striper, man. Every time I hook into something like this, there's a striper with this a bass. Because <laughs> they have yeah, huge stripers there and hybrids. There's a lot of striper in there. In fact, uh, I was out there once, and they were just, I mean, literally a school of them was right underneath me the whole time I was fishing in the morning. Um, but, man, if you get out there towards those main lake pockets and you focus yeah. on those really big points and those drop-offs with, a, like, a glide bait or a jerk bait, you'll catch some big bass for sure. Um that's what I've been. In fact, I got it right here, man. Look, um, this Which, little. Ooh, that's. Here, oh yeah. I mean. That's the juice right there. If you if you just throw it past those points and real real slow, and I mean it's just big and dumb, and it looks easy, and the bass come out and just smash it. So. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal: develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com I got a couple of those. I'm going to have to try. You know what? You saw me because I was actually tomorrow my day off. I'm going to go. I was thinking, where do I want to go fishing tomorrow? And I... And Whitney was kind of like on my top of the list, but I was like, eh, maybe I want to go closer. But you know what? I'm going to go to Whitney tomorrow then. I'm going to yeah, throw man. that glad at some points. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll hit you up for some coordinates after with the show. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll hook you up, bro. Uh, make long casts with it and reel it slow. That's all I can say. Um, awesome. We'll talk. <laughs> so second round, where did you end up going and how did you do and what worked for you? All right. So I'm not allowed to... Uh, disclose my location on the second and third rounds. Um, oh, okay, no worries then. I, it's not, you know, and, and it's not like I caught a whole bunch of fish. I think I got 70 in the 70s both rounds, you know, but, uh, you know, it's just one of those lakes where it's within a couple hours of Fort Worth and not a whole lot of people know about it, but it's a really good fishery. And I've promised a couple of people not to disclose. No worries. That. Totally respect that. Okay, sure. So, but it's a, it's a grass lake. It's full of grass. And, uh, I was catching them on a frog. I was catching them on a top water and, you know, some finesse baits like a Cinco and stuff like that. Um, actually my last, I think round three, I caught some on a shaky head. They were kind of moving out of the grass and that was the hard part about it is because you couldn't just go in the grass and catch them, you know, because the grass was just all over the place and they were kind of transitioning out of the grass going into those. Mm. You know, more rocky style of places, those deeper water spots. And uh, that's what I had to do. I had to switch over from throwing a frog and, and grass fishing, you know, power fishing the grass to uh, really kind of slowing down and picking apart these little rocky points and little drop-offs and stuff like that. And that's the only way I was able to make it to the Final Four was uh, just finesse fishing and really, really slowing down. Cool, man. Yeah, it's it's interesting how it all played out. For me, and and not to take away from what you're saying, not to steal your thunder, my first round I went to um, Lake Fork, and I was super confident about what I had. And I started off great, man. First hour, first 30 minutes, I already had 29 inches. It was just back-to-back, -back, but the bite shot down. And the spot, my, like, there's a spot in Lake Fork that I always go that I, it's just like, that's my spot and it was since i started i could see because i started right before sun up and i could see the line of boats just kind of like coming in and out of that spot i'm like there's no way there's no <laughs> way there's like five boats trying to get into that spot so i went afterwards by noon and by then i think the bite had moved further uh deeper and out of those um out of those creeks but it was interesting i saw i know i went against um uh, jr mccubby Mm -hmm. I hope I, I pronounced that. Uh, if not, please apologize. I have to apologize to JR. But um, he was telling me he was struggling, but he still put up 89 inches. But I know talking to some of the anglers, they were all struggling that first round. It was a hard Jeff Isham struggle, mightily. Um, yeah. his, his, um, his opponents struggle a lot. A lot more, I think, probably more than anybody, and he—that's what got him, Jeff Isom, to the 
you know, to the next one, not to take anything away from Jeff, a great angler, probably one of the best in Texas. Um, but definitely, definitely was a tough bite that first week. It seems to be that transition is taking a little bit, that transition to fall weather bite is taking, I want to say longer, but it's not, it's not there yet. Like I know a couple of anglers who were talking and they were like, yeah, man, it should be good. That fall, you know, because it cooled off a bit, but then it kind of, it had like a, what was it like a cold front come in for like Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday? Yeah. And then it heated up a lot. I remember I was at the lake. It was the water temperature was 79 yeah. at 630, and it went up to 86 by, I think, by 10 a.m. or by noon at least. It was in the 86. So it was, it was, it was very different than we usually you know, get to see in Texas around that time just because of that cold front that came in early. And I don't know, it threw everything away. But some guys really got it figured out like we saw in the first round. Absolutely. This time of year is pretty hard to fish just because of yep. what you're saying. Um, the fish don't really know what to do. They're like, okay, it was 50 degrees last night, but now it's going to be 100 degrees today. You know, yeah. so it's, you know where do we go? So, um, yeah, that's, that's the kind of situations where I like to really slow down and finesse fish just because – they're not going to be eating those power bite, you know, those power baits like a chatter bait or a spinner bait. If you're burning that stuff before, you know, now they're not going to be on that anymore. So, um, and they don't really like to eat topwaters too much in this time of year either. I've noticed. I mean, right at the very beginning, you know, now we're kind of getting into it. And yeah. Better. Um, I was, you know, especially after the bag I caught on Sunday, I, I really think the fish are turned on. But, um, you know, now's the time of time of year where I want to go out there and I want to throw that glide bait as much as I can. I want to throw a top water. I, I want to focus on the backs of those creeks and really find those big schools of fish that are going to be feeding up for, uh, for the winter, you know? Cool. So the final four was all in one lake, right? So it was supposed, it was going to be all on the same lake. And then okay. they, they asked all the anglers um, at the elite before the elite eight, they asked us all, to take a vote on Facebook Messenger um, if we wanted to fish the same lake or if we all wanted to fish our home lakes. And it ended up, ended up being that most of the people chose to fish their home waters. Um, I actually voted for same lake because I yeah. felt like I would have a better chance, you know, competing against these other guys who they've been fishing their honey holes, their little spots, and they've been putting up these crazy numbers. You know, put us on the same body of water and we'll see who comes out on top. Uh, that's what I wanted to do. Um, it didn't end up working out that way, but it still worked out in my favor. But, um, you know, we were supposed to have it all on the same lake, but it didn't, it didn't end up being that way. Yeah. I, 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 since I didn't make the elite eight, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I got my, I have to think about that, uh, to pass judgment on that decision. Cause to me, it's like, if you started off saying that's what the rule is, then to me, then you should have stuck with that. Having said that, I give props to Greg again and, and Chris for um, taking a vote, you know, and, you know, letting the anglers choose. That's also cool as well. But, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Well, awesome. So, go ahead. Well, the reason that I think it actually they wanted to give people an opportunity to vote is because a lot of people were signed up for Gunnersville, um, you know, oh, okay. big tournaments and they were going to be leaving. And, you know, it just wouldn't have been very easy for them to finish both of the events. So they wanted to make it easier for people to do that. I know Doc Acosta was one of those that just uh, he was already signed up. And he was planning on leaving like a long time before the tournament started. And that if we had all had to fish the same lake, it would have really messed him up on that. So, um, you know, it just is what it is. And it worked out pretty well, I think. Yeah, no, for you, wins out awesome. Yeah, no, and I, I, that's the thing. That's why I don't like to pass judgment because I didn't know all the. But that's a good point. Yeah, props to in that case, props to Christopher and Greg again. They they again they put in the anglers first mentality, and they don't only preach it. They you know they they put their money where their mouth is when it comes to putting the anglers first, and that's why we appreciate and respect what Greg and Christopher are doing. That's awesome. I didn't know that part. So going into the last round. So, okay, so we can't say the lake's on the second or third round, but the fourth round, final yes. round, right? Can yeah. we mention that one? Absolutely, yeah. Which one was that one? So the Brazos River. Oh, Brazos River, that's right. Below Possum Kingdom, yeah. And it's uh, it's it gets a lot of fishing, you know. It gets a lot of pressure. 
Uh, the question isn't whether or not the bass are there because they're definitely there. You know, it's just whether or not you can make them bite. So um, I kind of knew that going into it. The uh, I looked after after I found out that I was moving on on Saturday and I had to fish again on Sunday for the final four. I started looking at the weather and I saw it was going to be like 15 mile an hour winds like all over the state, you know. So um, I kind of didn't want to have to be fighting that wind all the time on a big lake. So I decided to go fish a river and the brazos is a famous bass fishing river i yeah. fished it when i was a kid you know i haven't fished it recently but i kind of knew there's some good fish in there and i have a good idea of where i can go to try to find them uh so that's what i did and i actually i started off in the morning throwing a top water and i fished my way all the way down about uh, i don't know several miles uh to my spot and then i I decided to switch over to a glide bait and I think it was my first cast with a glide bait and I caught my 20. I caught a 20 incher on my first cast and then I caught a 19 and a half on my, on my third cast. So, uh, with a glide bait. So it was just on. And after that, I just ran with that the whole day and covered a bunch of water and I was fortunate enough to trick some more big ones into biting it. What is it? Um, is that your favorite technique using or favorite bait using the, the glide bait? It's, Man, it's hard to say. I mean, my, my favorite bait used to be a frog, and then it used to be a Cinco, and then it used to be a spinnerbait. It's whatever catches fish, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like, what's going to what's gonna work for me on this day? But uh, if I have to choose one thing, I'm probably going to choose a glide bait, just because you get to watch them eat it. You know what I mean? And that's something yeah. you don't really get to do a whole lot. Um, you know, yeah, you get to watch them eat it with a frog, because it's a topwater, but you don't ever really get to see those five, six, eight pounders come up and just flash on it. You know what I mean? And that's one of those, one of those deals where a glide bait is just a whole lot of fun. Um, it's yeah, definitely my favorite way to fish at the, at the moment. Seems like you're pretty good at it. You come, you, how do you say, how confident are you in it? Like when you, when you think the, the glided bait is on, what, how comfortable are you going into a tournament thinking, Oh yeah, I got this. It's one of those deals where a lot of people think if you're throwing a glide bait, you're swinging for the fences. Mm -hmm. And um, that is true in a sense, but it's also um, just a, it's just has a lot of drawing power. And I feel like I have a lot of confidence in that drawing power that even if I don't exactly catch the fish, uh, the fish is going to show itself to me and I'm going to know exactly where it lives, you know, so I can come back around and, and try to catch them another way. Um, so just for exploring new water and trying to figure out where the big bass live in any body of water, a glide bait is definitely one of the best choices you can throw. Um, I have a lot of confidence in it. I've actually only been fishing it this year. So this is my first year throwing it. Um, there's, uh, there's a few techniques and a few little secrets that, that I don't want to give everything away, but the main thing is, is just cast it really far and reel it really slow and give those bass every opportunity in the world to come up and, and put their mouth on it. Cool. That's a, that's a good point. I was hoping you spilled the beans a little bit on that one. I've never had a lot of uh, luck with the glide bait. I was like, throw it a little bit, not have luck, but then I'll put it away. Like, I've, you know, if I don't, if in the first few minutes I don't feel a bite, then it's like, eh. But I want to get more confidence. There's some great glide baits out there. Um, uh, and uh, that's definitely one of the things that I like to get better at using glad bait because it, it is a big fish magnet. And yeah. now that fall season is coming, I think that's one of the best times. Now I heard, like I said, I'm not an expert. I've heard um, that it's one of the best times to throw a glad bait out there. Yeah, I like um, right after the spawn is a good time after they've spawned and they've kind of pulled back out onto those you know stopping points or stop signs, as people say. Uh, that's a really good time for the S waiver. And then, yeah, just like you said, right now in the fall, when they're kind of feeding up, you know, those bass are lazy. They don't get big from chasing all those little minnows around the bank. They get big by sitting back, waiting for some big, dumb trout or something to swim by, you know. And uh, that's uh, that's my secret, man. That's my secret technique, and that's what won this tournament for me. So. Cool, man. That's awesome. How how intimidating for you was it to to go against Aisham Taft and Marcus Coates, especially considering the tear that Marcus Coates has been on in the last few months? Sure. I mean, you know, 
yeah, I, I felt like I was definitely the underdog in this tournament in the final four, but at the same time, you know, I've caught a, I've caught a lot of fish on an S waiver. I've caught a lot of fish, uh, in general. And I had, I had every confidence in the world that I was going to be able to go out there and put up a good bag, you know, and that's all I was worried about. I, I wasn't really worried about anybody else. I was just thinking about, you know, how do I go out and catch five good ones tomorrow? So, um, that's what I did. I just went out to the Brazos and got lucky kind of, but you know, you can say it's luck if you catch one, but if you catch, I think I caught six on a glide bait or, you know, something like that. Yeah. So I, I kind of had them figured out a little bit. What was the water temperatures at um, when you were throwing that glide? But do you remember like, what was the water condition general clarity, water temperatures, right. depth? So there's going to be a caveat to this because the river that I was fishing, the section of the Brazos I was fishing is really cold because it comes from the bottom of PK. You okay. Know, so, uh, the water coming out of the dam is probably, I don't know, I, I want to say like maybe 65, 60 degrees. Mm. It's, pretty, it's pretty chilly, you know, considering we're in August or September now. Um, it's, you know, it's pretty chilly. God, it's October, isn't it? <laughs> just so you today got your big one one synced up on you one by one day <laughs> yeah my birthday is tomorrow and i'm like oh man nice how old are you gonna be i'm gonna be 29 really 29 man that's good what are you what are the plans for tomorrow then it's friday um um me and uh me and my girl are gonna go camp out maybe do a little pre-fishing for the lone star throwdown uh nice. down on inks yeah so i think we're gonna go check out lake buchanan inks and uh lbj Nice, man. Yeah. Best of luck out there. I appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. So, um, so how was the, we talked about a little bit of the water conditions. It was like, um, in the, what is it like, like the low sixties? Yeah. It's pretty chilly. Uh, low sixties, I would say. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. And um, it just depends because it'll, it's going to be colder coming from the dam, but as, as you get downriver, it starts to warm up a little yeah. bit. And, um, you know, in those deeper pools, it kind of gets to get that's probably the warmest spot is those deepest those deeper pools but um yeah low 60s up to 70 maybe um and those bass were just on you know i was actually down there in that same area like in june and there were still bass on beds really oh yeah. well yeah because the water's so cold exactly i yeah. actually go ahead i'm sorry no you go ahead no, I was actually, I caught, I was uh, bank fishing on the Trinity River in down in downtown Fort Worth. Mm -hmm. And I and I couldn't get any, I, again, I thought the bite was going to be more active with the with um, water cooling off and the temperatures cooling off. But it hasn't, like it's taken a little bit longer. So I started throwing a uh, wacky rig Senko and I caught one. And when I looked at it, the tail, the bottom of the tail was kind of all bloodied out. You know, one, you know, when they fan, they start fanning the, right. the, and I'm thinking, man, I wonder if they're spawning again. Cause I've heard of places where in Texas, where they actually spawn like in, in spring and in, um, in, in fall, early fall or late fall, depending, you know, you know how, whether it's in Texas, you know, summer can go all the way down to, to almost November. And then all of a sudden we had, what was it? A couple of years ago, summer was in pretty much May and it right. ended fall started somewhere in, in mid August. I was about two summers, two or three summers ago. But anyways, I, I caught it. I took a picture of it. I'm like, man, I wonder if it was uh spawning because it had that tail, you know, kind of like wrote it on the bottom and a little and reddish, you know, irritated. So I was like, oh, I could be setting yeah. up nests again. Yeah, probably yeah. was. Um, I actually caught my PB on a bed this year on uh, Lake Denbrook, and uh, it was, I don't know, it was probably, I didn't get a weight, but it, it was 22 and a half inches and completely, you know, just as fat as you could be as a fish. Um, me and my buddies were guessing probably just a little under eight pounds, but uh, I caught it on a jig and it was the same deal, man. They were just on beds and that's, that's one of my favorite ways to catch them. You know, you sit here and you're like, 
oh, is the glide bait your favorite bait? And I'm like, yeah, but not when they're spawning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or not in the middle of summer. So it just depends. But uh, it's definitely, if I had to pick only one way to catch them, a glide bait is going to be the way that, that I prefer to. Yeah, definitely. I love Bainbrook. It's a nice, uh, nice lake and definitely a lot of biggest. I haven't, I went once, I caught a few, but the few that I got were pretty big. Um, you know, somewhere in the 18 and 20 inch. Um, and they were out deep. Um, it was uh, last summer, I think it was. Now, I just remember what the bottom of that river, I thought it was the Brazos River. Actually, it was the um, the Red River out of Texoma. Okay, yeah. Texoma Dam, yeah. That was, that was old carp and gar <laughs> on the bottom of that Red River. I was like, yeah, there's no bass here. This is all carp and gar, man. But yeah, it was in Brussels now that I remember. Yeah, Brussels is a, is a pretty cool. Yeah, I have to check out on the bottom. Uh, I haven't gone to PK or or the Brussels in that section, but it's definitely one of my favorite lakes. Um, not lakes, uh, rivers here in Texas. Man, if you want to get the best experience for the Brazos, do the twenty mile trip from the dam down to Rochelle's. Um, that'll just out of PK. Yeah, look up Rochelle's. I don't know if you've ever heard. Of yeah yeah shuttles, but yeah they do shuttles and uh canoe rentals and all that good stuff but you put in at the 16 bridge and you float down 20 miles to rochelle's it's like most people can do it in two days but i like to do it in three days uh you stay two nights on the river and basically just fish slowly the whole way down for three days and uh that's what i started doing when i was a kid with my parents and that's really nice. what you know drove me into bass fishing so if you want the full Brazos experience, definitely hit up that that twenty mile trip. Nice, and they pick you up at the bottom and bring you back to the car. Absolutely, yeah. Nice. I'll have to check it out. I didn't know that. Yeah, man. Give them a call. It's uh, and just uh. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> I wonder. I know Guillermo Gonzalez and Matt do um some some tours. Yes. Bass fishing. I'm wondering. It's probably one of the spots because i see some of the video i'm like yeah that looks like the brazos river but again it could be the trinity river or whatever or the river around but yeah i wonder if that's one of the uh places they could do so i know uh, they used to do that i'm sure that they will take people down on that stretch uh, i think i actually heard matt tell me once that he takes people below lake whitney yeah uh, not just right below the lake i think he's got private access on uh yes that's what i've heard that's a ways down from from lake whitney but any, I mean, any stre stretch of the Brazos has big fish, so you yeah. can go down anywhere and and you'll catch them. So there is there is a video of some dudes. It was on winter, and they went to the to the bottom, like right at the, that pool that's at the bottom. It's a concrete pool at the bottom of Whitney Lake, mm -hmm. <laughs> and they actually game warden kicked them out. But before they did on the glide bed, if I remember correctly, they caught this huge striper. Yeah, right at that pool just before they got kicked out. Um, yeah. and they, that area over there is full of stripers, too. Yeah, big stripers. The S waiver is actually a good striper yeah. lure that a lot of people yes. throw it for stripers just because you know it's so big and just looks like what they're eating. But uh, yeah, man, the uh, <laughs> the Brazos is full of big bass, whether you're talking about stripers or largemouth, or I even caught some spotted bass. I, I'd really like to see if there's any big spotted bass in the Brazos. Um, that would be pretty cool. I'm sure they'd eat an S waiver too. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't be surprised. Whitney. I think Whitney holds the lake for the biggest um, smallmouth bass. But they really like. I'm wondering what happened because it was. You see the records. It's all in the mid '90s. I think '94, '92, and things the calendar turned to 2000 there hasn't really been a big big smallmouth bass for the last what 30 years now here in texas yeah. especially on windy so i'm wondering what's going on there if they don't stock them anymore or what but they used back in the 90s if you look at the records it's especially on windy lake there was you know five seven pound uh smallmouth bass but it was all in the mid 90s yeah i'm not sure what's going on with that um you know could have something to do with the fish kills that they had um, yeah you know just more people fishing in general um you know texas isn't exactly the best environment for smallmouth no, so, no just because it gets so hot and we are on a bit of a warming trend in general but um like i caught one in broken bow the other uh, not the other day but several months ago it was in the middle of summer and uh 
I caught a smallmouth and I, it literally died. You know, like I caught it, pulled it up to the surface and it just died because it was so hot. I mean, they were just not feeling, they were not, you know, doing good in that, that lake at that time. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah. Yeah, the numbers, Grapevine, I think last year broke its own record twice in one month. I was talking to Grant out of uh, Fun and Sun Tackle right here at Highway 10. And he was telling me that one of the guys that, you know, is a big fan of Fun and Sun Tackle was telling me, showing pictures. It, it broke, like, it went from four and a half pounds on February. And by the end of February, somebody else caught another one that was five and a half pounds, something like that, which I think that's a late record for Lake Grapevine. So Lake Grapevine apparently is on the, uh, on the rise as far as smallmouth bass, but it's pretty much the only one lately. Yeah. I've heard about it. I haven't ever been on Lake Grapevine, <laughs> which is weird. It, it's you've never been to Lake Grapevine, really? You're so no. close to it. I know. It, it's <laughs> Lake Grapevine. It's just way too many pleasure boaters for me. Yeah. Way too many pleasure boaters for me. There's, you'll see one or two bass boats. Uh, uh, out of all the lakes that I've been there, I've seen a lot of kayaks. I think Grapevine has because of the consultation. You know, it's like right in the middle of the of the um dfw metroplex for those that don't live here it's like right in the middle of dallas and fort worth which kind of like sister cities and in between the dallas and fort worth again if you don't live in texas a huge metroplex and right in the middle uh, north of it is grapevine so it's just man it's just especially on the weekends i don't touch grapevine on the weekends with a 10 foot pole man because it's just way too many pleasure boarders jet skis and usually the smallmouth will hang out at the um at the at the dam and that's where all the pleasure boarders with all the wakeboards and all the jet skis hang out so it's like yeah it's not i don't yeah i i used to fish all those lakes like i used to fish um like eagle mountain and and yeah. Pembroke and Lake Worth and you know those kind of lakes they get a lot of pleasure boaters just because of where they're located you know yeah um, I've kind of really started to get away from those places yeah you know, I still fish Pembroke because there's giant bass in Pembroke yeah but, they are um, I started getting away from those places just because you know I, I kind of want to get away from everybody you know and man the other day on Sunday when I was on the Brazos I mean I launched pretty early but I was the only one on the river for like two or three hours you know so you know that i mean i had the whole river to myself for a while and it worked out pretty well for me but uh yeah i don't i don't like to fish in crowds if i can help yeah it. that being said i do uh, i do have a lot of confidence fishing behind people you know i don't really let that mess with me and think oh mm -hmm. he's already thrown in there i can't catch him because and you'll see that man on my video from the Brazos River. You'll see I actually I threw into my first spot with the top water and I worked it through there two times and didn't get a bite, you know. And most people would have said, All right, they're not there and moved on. And I was like, No, let me throw the glide bait in there and then first cast with the glide bait, I got a bite, you know. So just they saw my top water, but they just didn't want it, you know. So Yeah, it's interesting. Um Yeah, that I'm the same way. I don't go on I don't fish on the Thankfully, my job allows me um, to fish during the week. So I really, I don't go to, the, unless I'm doing a tournament, I don't even touch the water on the weekends. Because mm -hmm. um, unless, um, you know, unless again, it's a couple of friends invite me, hey, let's go do this or let's go fishing. Or if I got a tournament because they're all on the weekends. But other than that, I don't, I really don't get on the water on the weekends. Just I don't, I don't want to deal with it. I just don't want to deal with the crowds, man. Yeah. It's, it gets out of hand, especially on summer. Yeah. Winter, yeah. it might be different, you know. Right. I had a couple of boats roll up on me on Bembroke this year. Just, you know, like I'm catching fish on a spot and they roll up right on the spot. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> what's up, dude? Like, I can hit you in the head with my crankbait. Don't you think you're a little <laughs> close, you know? Oh, have you ever been to, have you ever been to Lake Louisville? No, I haven't. Okay, Lake Louisville, there. there's some spots that are notorious for hybrids and sand bass. Dude, it, it gets crazy. You see anybody on us? It's like, it's crazy to me because of my, of, to me, the way I view the fishing culture is like, if there's somebody out there, you know, I'm not getting in there. Right. You know, if they found the spot, good for them. You know, I'll stay out the, you know, out the outreach, maybe the school moved my way, whatever. But over there, man, nobody cares. They'll be right on top of each other. Yeah, It's crazy. I'm, I go with a buddy of mine that has a, 14 foot long and he don't care 
He'll right. just roll up next. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? But the guys around don't even bother because it's kind of like, yeah, this is where the, the school is. So everybody, you'll see five boats. Yeah. And don't ever, if you get a big bite, yeah, it's funny because we get a big bite. Just like play it off as <laughs> you're being snagged. Oh, crap, I got snagged. Because right. they'll, they'll hear you if you go like, oh, man, I got a big one. Forget it, man. They'll come out of the woodwork and they'll plant themselves like literally five, ten feet. And they'll just throw that jigging spoon right next to your boat. It's right. crazy. It's crazy, man. That's just but, the way the fishing's getting to be these days. Um, yeah close to the population you know populated areas yeah man i don't um you know when i'm on the kayak i've gone to lake Louisville to do some sand bass and hybrid but i try to keep it to myself you know i just like if i see boats you know but no man when they're on boats when i go with my buddy on the boat he don't care nobody cares it's just right on top of each other i'm like nah, i i don't know cross my screen a little bit but it is what it is I guess the sand bass fishing culture is different than the bass fishing culture. Yeah, that is true. That is true. You know. It is very true. Awesome. So other than bass fishing, man, what else do you like to fish for here in Texas? Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Um, you know, I've actually never caught a redfish before, which is kind of crazy, but that's something that I've always wanted to do is go catch reds. Um, I've caught a few speckled trout here and there, and, um, you know, I... I don't really have another species of fish other than bass. I mean, largemouth is my favorite thing to catch. Um, you know, I, I don't mind catching stripers. I don't mind catching sand bass. But I, I even have caught crappie on Denbrook. I found a good crappie hole last year, and I caught a limit in like an hour uh, or nice. two hours or something. But, um, man, bass fishing, largemouth bass is just under my skin. It's just it's in my heart, you know, and that's what I love to do. So that's pretty much what I do all the time. It's it's ingrained in especially in the Texas culture. Just bass fishing is, I like. I was I can't trying to remember who I was talking to on the podcast, but I like like Lake Fork. One of the things that I love about going to Lake Fork, it's not just the lake. While I'm driving, Lake Fork to me is like a two hour drive, but mm -hmm. while I'm out there and coming back, it's like literally when you leave like in the DFW Metroplex, and all of a sudden you drive to Benbrook, which is not that far. Again, two hour drive is not that far in my opinion. Yeah, you're like going through like. A time machine because all of a sudden you had this place where it's like back in the late 70s early 80s right. and it's all bass we like the culture there the town the small towns around lake fork are just like it's just bass you know it's just a huge bass culture everything revolves about bass fishing and i love that right. i love that that that's you know just because i don't know it's just going out there and just could completely different subculture out there yeah so me and uh me and my friend hayden actually fished on oh ivy earlier this year for mm -hmm. i think it was the first kbbt bracket and uh it's the same kind of deal man you get out there and you're just out in the middle of nowhere and literally the only people around you are bass fishing and you yeah. know like there's a hundred bass boats at the ramp and everything is just built on that one thing around that lake you know uh, you're actually going to hate me for saying this, but I've never fished on Lake Fork. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> My God. Uh, I know, man. I, I'm, we got to hit Lake I, Fork, man. You have to go to Lake Fork. You know, I've only been kayak fishing, like, seriously for about a year and a half now. So, really, I haven't had a chance to, to get out to all these places, you know. Lake Fork's been on my bucket list forever, but I've just never, you know, been out there. I've been on Athens. I've been on, you know, Richland Chambers. Athens is a good lake, yeah. All these, I've been on all these lakes, but I've never been on Fork, um, and that's something I will hope to change maybe here soon. I don't know. Maybe I'll get out there before it gets to be too cold and I'm busy duck hunting, you know? <laughs> yeah, Lake, Lake Fork is, um, if you've never been to Lake Fork, think of it as Ray Roberts, that flooded timber area on, on the, what is, on the west, if you're, I'm trying to think, um, I think that's the west side. 
mm-hmm. upper west uh, west side of the lake even though the whole west side of uh of lake um ray roberts where it's all flooded timber that's right. pretty much um lake yeah. Fork. i've heard all the horror stories about people breaking their props and their fins and stuff like that you know yeah um, on on lake fork and I've, you know, I've been a fan of bass fishing forever. So I've watched the Bassmaster Classics and the Elite Series and all that good stuff. And, you know, every time I've seen them on Fork, you know, just this last year, I was watching uh, who was that caught that 10-pounder on a dang spinning rod, you know. And, uh, you know, I'm watching that thing. And I'm like, man, I got to get out there. But then I just haven't made time to get out there. So it is the one thing that I've noticed about there, like, it also depends on the season, but example on Lake Grapevine, I've caught a couple of like 19, 20 inches and Ray Roberts too. I caught my biggest one. It was a 22 and a, 22 and a quarter, 22 and a half. I'm going to say 22 and a quarter because I hate exaggerating and then being called out on it. So I think it was 22 and a quarter, but it was one of those things where it's like, okay, that wasn't much of a fight. Like, yeah, it's a great fish, but that wasn't big of a fight. The last on the KBBT, I caught, um, my last fish was like five minutes before the tournament ended. I caught a 12-incher, and I saw it jump at the first, and I was like, yeah, it's not that big. But my God, the fight that that little dink put was like, you could, I could have sworn I was catching at least a four-pounder. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the thing about Lake Fork, man. I've never caught a fish at Lake Fork that didn't just put like a smack on it. You know, like it, right. they don't, you don't get... At least my experience, I've never had this little subtle bite that it, it's always all or nothing bite with those bass over there, man. It's just they hit it hard and they'll fight you, you know, for like until, you know, they'll just fight you. Uh, and you think you caught a bigger fish than you what you got, but it's just there, there's something about an attitude on those Lake Fork bass that is, I don't know, I've never seen it at any other lake. Yeah, man, um, that's one. That's just a sign of how healthy the bass fishery is. There. Yeah. You just know that it's super healthy for the bass there. Uh, the same is true at OHIV. I noticed the same thing. You know, you hook a 15 or 16 incher and you think, man, I got a 20 on, you know, um, and you get out to the boat and you're like, dude, how how are you not a 20 incher? You know, you yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh. And that's, you know, and then you catch an actual 20 incher or like my buddy, Brian, he caught a 25 inch bass down there. Wow. Uh, 11 pounds and 11.39 pounds. Yeah. And that's uh that was an insane fish. That's the biggest bass I've ever seen in my life. He actually dove in out of his kayak after it and uh, inflated his little Hobie life jacket. <laughs> I've got a bunch of pictures. It's pretty funny because he's sitting in the water with this big old yellow jacket, you know, inflated around his neck. And he's holding up a 12 pound bass, man. It's just uh, unbelievable. Man, unofficially, my biggest bass was, um, and I say unofficially because I didn't, I was just starting, I didn't even have a kayak back then. I was just bank fishing, uh, drop shot minnow. And I caught out of, and it must have been, it must have been a bass that had just finished spawning or nesting because he was. it was super thin. It, the weather had just gone up. Um, but it must have been, I'll have to have somebody that's really good because <laughs> obviously I'm going to be biased. I'm going to say it's 30 inches, but it's obviously not. But I think, I think it, it's definitely got to be more than 22 inches. That was yeah. my biggest bass. Um, but it was one of those things where I thought I was, I thought I was snagged because it didn't even put up a fight. It was just like, until I got it actually to a shore, I never even jumped, never even tried to make a run for it. So it's yeah it's funny man sometimes you get those big fish but they maybe they're so old or if you got them after the spawn when they're just like dead tired you know they haven't eaten for two weeks um they're thin they don't they don't you're like okay i expected this if i ever caught a fish this side it would be like the most epic fight and turns out it wasn't but yeah pretty cool you didn't have to dive in in the water off your kayak after it did you (laughs) <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, I got to give a shout out to my buddy Brian Pierce for that. I mean, just the absolute dedication he had to to jump in. We were fishing treetops that were probably sitting in about 12, 15 feet of water, actually, uh, because that's just the way the OHIV sets up. Mm-hmm. And this bass was on a bed, and he was tucked up underneath all these uh, these little trees and stuff like that. 
And Brian casted his little weightless fluke, like, way back in there, like, maybe 15, 20 yards back into all this thick stuff. And I think as soon as he hit that water, that 12-pounder just, like, ate it, you know. And so then he's got a freaking 12-pounder on with, like, 15-pound line up over tree branches and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I saw him from across the lake. I saw him pull his thing and his, his life jacket inflate. So in my mind, I thought something was in trouble. You know, he was in trouble or something was wrong. So I started heading towards him. And he, by the time I got there, he's in the water and he's got the fish by the mouth. And he's like, I did it. I did it. <laughs> <laughs> well, was like, it that he broke off or it was just that it was got a... No, it like, just got, it had gotten tangled around a tree branch, you know, because um, he cast it over a bunch of, a bunch of brush and stuff like that to get to this little spot. And um, yeah, I think he had it dangling from a tree branch for a couple minutes before he got to it. And, uh, and that's, that's the funniest thing too, just thinking back on it, because I didn't even realize he had a fish, you know, I just saw him in the water with his life yeah. jacket on. And then I got to him and he's like, he's like, I got her, I got her, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> What did you, you know, oh, you got a fish, you know? I'm like, all right, you know, how big is it? Hold it up. And he like, I can barely see it. I'm like, how big is it? He's like, oh, I don't know, maybe like six or seven pounds, you know? That's what he said. And like, oh, like, maybe. Let me, see it. <laughs> Let me see it. So he like pulls it up, you know, and I'm like, oh my God, dude, that's like a 12 pounder. <laughs> um, yeah, just an unbelievable fish catch. And I'm super lucky that I got to witness that. <laughs> yeah. I always get nervous using those, um, um weightless flukes and and all that just because like here's just because they can wrap around you know on their dock like it's easy to skip a single on a on a spin cast combo right. um but if you're using light line it's very possible he's just gonna wrap around something like me i don't like to when it's like a marina where it has all those crisscross cables Mm -hmm. Going around, I don't flip uh, a Senko on a spinning setup on, you know, one five, six pound uh, floral because it's, right. it, I'll be lucky to get it out. Right. But if it's like a house boat dock, you know, those houses are on the like um, lakefront and they'll have, you know, a, a boat dock. It's just four sticks to, to, to you know, not, not a lot of stuff going around crisscrossing. Then I'll throw in a, a little, uh, then I'll skip a little finesse technique there, but right. yeah, it's it's one of those things. I had it on grapevine. I'm actually one with that bass, big bass of the day on the Slay Nation. It was uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think it was almost. I think it might have been the 19 incher. I have to check. Um, but I caught the same thing. It got wrapped around the lake grapevine because this summer has not rained at all. Mm -hmm. So the water level was really down. So I saw this twig forest or garden that I usually see on the graph. And I actually, I see the top of it now. So I'm like, perfect. I don't even have to use the graph. I know where it is. I cast it, boom, immediately. And it got wrapped around those twigs. And I actually had to get my hand in and kind of like just move my hand around until finally get him to come out. Right. So I was like, well, it was worth it. It got me 70 bucks. <laughs> so it was worth getting it. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Dakova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. So that kind of brings me back to one more thing I want to talk about. Uh, yeah. Favor. So the the fish that you catch with this are the same fish that you would catch with like a jerk bait or like a, yeah. a finesse bait, um, which is cool because, you know, I throw this thing on 50 pound braid to a 20 pound leader. 
So when you, you know, if you, if you hook the same fish that I caught on this with a little jerk bait, you know, good luck getting it in, man. You know, yeah. you got it on eight pound line or six pound line or something. And it's just going to be a rodeo trying to get that thing in. I can get the same fish to bite this thing and then just force them into the kayak, you know? So that's another reason why I like the S waivers a lot. Let me ask you this. Now that we're going full circle with the glide baits, what setup do you use for that? You already yeah. said the line and everything, but sure. what kind of reel, what kind of uh, rod do you use for it? Sure. So the rod that I use it on is uh, a Dobbins Fury 7'3". Mm. So it's a 7'3", heavy. It's kind of like a jig rod. You know? Okay. Um, and I actually throw a jig on the same rod. The cool thing is, is you know, with a kayak, I like to be kind of versatile. So I can... I could throw on like a jig or even a frog on the same rod, you know, and throw it with straight braid. And then if I want to throw the glide bait, I just tie on like a 10 foot section of mono leader and I'll throw the glide bait on there and, and catch them just like everything else, you know, it works, works great. Nice. And what reel do you use? You said, uh, the reel I have is a Shimano SLX DC. Oh, uh, nice. That's what that's I caught a nice on, on Sunday. Yeah, it, it's pretty nice. I actually lost a Corrado DC the other day, and that kind of broke my heart. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that hurts. Yeah, it's painful. But, uh, you know, I made it up for by winning on Sunday. So. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, I did, definitely. But, yeah, that's the kayak version of getting kicked in the nuts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I actually lost. I went to uh, Wheeler Lake with Dustin first cast. I lost um, the uh, palm plate on my Revo X EXD. Yeah. I'm I'm more of a Shimano guy, but the one reel that I love from Abu Garcia is the Revo EXD, hmm. just because I can cast a country mile with that thing if I'm using a crankbait, especially deep cranking. But I don't know. I guess the way I palm it, I kind of like on um, you know set the unlock the latch, and it just, <laughs> just I see that plate going. <laughs> and i'm like oh my god no so i'm gonna have to i'm gonna go to i forgot the name of that place here in in downtown dallas where you can order parts so right my but, uh, my buddy steven bought two revo sx's yesterday for 17 dollars piece really <laughs> yeah i mean you see selling tell him i'll put him 34 <laughs> yeah academy uh academy messed up again you know like they yeah, they done that a lot. <laughs> I've seen that. I've actually got a, a, a reel just like that. A buddy of mine says, "Hey man, they just, just got it." Uh, Miss like, "Give me one. Give me one." This is like you have left hand. It doesn't matter. Just give me well, give me two, and I'll sell the other one if that's the price. So we actually got a couple. So the academy's known to do that here. I don't know why. Okay, we are back. We have some technical difficulties, but yeah, we're talking about you got those. Um, your friend got the, or you got those pretty cheap reels at Academy. That happened to me too. A friend of mine, we got them. I don't know why Academy has done that a couple of times. I heard other people have the same thing where they just misprice it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Somebody's getting fired there. <laughs> probably <laughs> but, not. I probably just chalk it up on the last column and keep on going. <laughs> right. So anyways, man, we, Ross, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know I had you almost for an hour now, so I don't want to take too much of your time. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you taking your time off to join us at the show. But before I let you go, um, tell us a little bit of uh, who do you want to thank? You know, if you got whether it's um, families, companies that have helped you out and all that. But uh, and also let us know where can people follow you? I thought I thought you mentioned that you got um uh, the KBBBT, you know, um, those catches, you got it uploaded on YouTube. So where can people follow you on Instagram and YouTube and any other social media? And again, if you want to thank anybody else there for helping you out and influencing you, take your time. Absolutely. Um, so you can find me on YouTube at Ross Pinkerton. Um, you can find me on Instagram at Ross.Pinkerton and Facebook at Ross Pinkerton. Um, I actually did manage to catch every fish catch on film for my nice. channel. So, yeah, I'm about to upload the video from the Brazos River on Sunday. So, y'all are probably going to want to check that out. Um, Definitely. Just an unbelievable day of fishing. Um, and I want to thank my girlfriend, Cassie Bevins. She really helps take care of the kids and everything at home while I go and, and do a bunch of fishing and stuff like that. So, thanks, babe. I love you. And um, my parents, just for same thing, helping out with the kid, and then also for uh, instilling the love for the outdoors in me at a young age. You know, just really helped put me on the right path 
kept me out of trouble. Um, some trouble, you know, I still managed to find a little bit. <laughs> it always, you got to learn somehow, right? Right. <laughs> Can't always be told. <laughs> that's it, man. Um, but yeah, man, that's, that's pretty much it. Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, thanks oh, thank you. to everybody at KBBT for running that, that awesome tournament. And uh, we'll see you, see you around, man. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much again uh, for joining us. I uh, do appreciate it, man. And uh, you live kind of like right around where I live. So we got to gotta we gotta get you late four and then you gotta take me to those third and fourth round or second and third round spots that you can't mention on the air Absolutely. <laughs> nah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take you to those spots and if you want to hit the brazos let me know oh definitely definitely yeah. awesome man well thank you so much this has been the bass kayak and beers uh segment on the paddle and fit network once again with my special dress ross pinkerton aka the bass baron of texas uh, thank you again for checking us out and if you made it this far go check out douglasoutdoors.com for the full lineup of rods and uh check out where the your nearest authorized dealer is if you're going to be out there on the water this weekend enjoy your time hope you slay him and be safe for your pads Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at Paddle, the letter N, and Finn at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler. The Angler button and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. TRC Covers, protect your investment. Catch Products, shout out to Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com and put the Paddle in Fin logo directly on your catch board. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com, use promo code PNF20, and save 20% on all your jig and tackle needs. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'm ill there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.